the Voice America Business Channel. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Rowley Nadler, my esteemed co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, who will be with us in just a moment. But you know, between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of executives to perform in the top 10%. We always try to bring you cutting-edge people from a variety of different leadership um, aspects. And today we have Ron Edinger, and he is a corporate person at Quaker Chemical. Let me tell you a little bit about Ron, and like you know, for our listeners, um, we'll tell you a little bit about Ron, and then Kathy and I will do a little intro, and then we'll we'll bring on Ron and pick his brain on some of the things that hopefully be very applicable for you and for the people that you work with to give you the one or two things that you can do a little differently to be a top performer. We like to talk about this as being the uh, moreover. We're not into doing makeovers, but is there a few things you could do more as a moreover? Let me uh, tell you about Ron. Ron Edinger is the VP of Human Resources at Quaker Chemical and specializes in global organizational development and executive coaching. So since 1918, Quaker Chemical has been a multi-million dollar company, has been establishing and maintaining relationships with leading enterprises in every major manufacturing country in the world. It's publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Quaker has a long track record of financial consistency and strength. Uh, As the company entered the 21st century, Quaker began a major strategic action to better meet the changing needs of customers. Now, as a global knowledge-based company, they provide best services, technology, and product resources to all their customers around the world. So we'll get a good perspective of that from Ron. While working hard to meet customer needs, Quaker strives to keep a strong sense of responsibility to all the associates, to the communities in which we operate, and to the natural environment. Ron will share his insights from over two decades of organizational development, human resources, and coaching uh, in today's program. And so before we bring uh, Ron on, let me just say a word about Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my co-host. Kathy and I have been doing this for, uh, I think we're in the fifth or sixth year, and we found out last year we had basically over you know 300,000 uh, downloads to this show. So that's exciting, and hopefully you're doing the, the same. So let me tell you about Kathy. Kathy uh, coaches leading executives and entire companies on her proven happiness equals profit work-life strategy. Named the first lady of happiness by ABC TV, Dr. Greenberg has authored multiple popular books on the science of happiness, including What Happy Companies Know, her latest number one bestseller, What Happy Working Mothers Know, and we also know just from other shows, Kathy's working on a brand new book series called The Fearless Leader which if you go to our website, um, www.xlinstitute.com, you'll hear more about that. And she touches millions as a much-in-demand speaker, TV, radio, and media personality. She's the founder of the renowned uh, executive consultancy, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People. And she actively supports research on the subject while offering friendly tips and tools to be your best at work and at home on the ABC's The Morning Blend. She also has a new free app that you should download called Your Happiness Now. It's available at the iTunes Store. And so you can visit her at 
uh, h2cleadership.com or the shared website that Kathy and I have, uh, excelinstitute.com. Kathy, welcome. Thanks, really. I'm going to have two good friends on the show today, so I'm extra happy today. <laughs> and of course, you know, uh, Ron Ettinger, who's a, not only a, a professional in our industry, uh, but he is um, a long-standing friend, and I'm sure we'll have a good chat with Ron. But, you know, before we bring Ron on, I want to make sure that everybody who's listening also gets an opportunity to know who you are. You know, we get so many new listeners each week. Uh, we want to make sure everybody feels included. So for those of you who have not met Dr. Relly Nadler, let me tell you that he is a master-level certified executive coach. He is a psychologist, a corporate leadership, and team trainer. And Dr. Nadler brings his legendary expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and development programs. You know, Dr. Nadler's newest top-ranked book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers across industries, including yourself. His highly respected work is the focus of countless business journals, blogs, and online news features, and his programs have become a mainstay at leading Fortune 500 companies. You can visit him at truenorthleadership.com for free downloads to access your best performance through emotional intelligence. And don't forget to download his free iApp at the Apple Store. It's called Leadership Keys. And as I said, you can get this at the Apple Store. And you can also go to our joint website, excelinstitute.com, and you can find the links there as well. So today is going to be pretty exciting, uh, Relly. I'm really happy uh, to have Ron Ettinger with us. But before we get started, perhaps we'd like to share with our audience why we do this show, why it's six years and running, and we're going now into 2013, and we have exciting new guests for the new year. But what is it in your mindset uh, that continues to make you curious about leadership development, and why we, you know, kind of why we continue to do this? for our listening audience. Well, I think, uh, one, Kathy, I'm just kind of a curious sort, and I think that's why both you and I love this show, because we can pick people's brain. But as far as leadership development, things are always changing. We try to bring you kind of the cutting-edge news around neuroscience, um, mindfulness, everything that's going on in in leadership. And the reason is that today about 40% of organizations say they're going to be experiencing a significant gap in the number of skilled or trained leaders available for new jobs. And so this is what Kathy, you and I have been calling said the, the brain drain. We have the baby boomers who are going to be retiring, and there's more baby boomers, um, seven to eight million or so, who are retiring over the next five, ten years, and then Gen X and Gen Y. And we also, from the Great Recession, lost a lot of jobs. So that's the second reason. And then when we talk about Gen X and Gen Y, uh, some of the research has shown that they have a little less emotional intelligence, and a lot of what we focus on falls under the big umbrella of emotional intelligence. And for every hour that they're on a screen, be it their phone or the computer, that's not an hour in front of someone else, dealing with conflict, uh, changing how they're uh, communicating, looking at how they influence. And so a lot of what we try to focus on are, are these skills for leaders to do a few things differently. You know, we like to call these these micro-initiatives. You can get one or two things different that you can get from this show or, or that Ron's doing in his organization. That can make a significant difference for you. And emotions are contagious. And the most contagious person is the leader. And we call them the emotional thermostat. And so those are some of the key uh, 
reasons, rationale, you know, Kathy, that, that we have. But I think from the positive psychology and the, and the happiness, people are always saying, well, can I change? You know, I'm over 40 now, or the people I work with and my boss is over 40. You know, can we really change? And so you have some really good research just about this set point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all know that there are so many different ideas now about resilience and about the science of happiness. And the one thing that I've loved about working with you over the last few years is combining the best of emotional intelligence and the science of happiness. And now we're bringing in to this whole philosophy through fearless leaders, the ideas of high performance professionals. These are both Olympic and sports athletes and working warriors. What we do know, really, is that there's a 93% correlation between life satisfaction and your ability to be successful in whatever role you choose to do as work. And so when you're happy in your life, it also flows into your work. And so it's very important for people to understand that there is a happiness formula. 50% of that formula is perhaps what we call your baseline. It is your set point. Some people are born a half uh, what we say, a glass half empty. Some people are born a glass half full. I happen to have been on the um, lower side of the equation. I was actually born a glass half empty. But knowing that the other 40% of the equation is the behaviors, the habits of mind and body that I choose to influence in my daily activities, those are the things that I can bring to that 50% of my set point that helps rebalance. You know, where's the other 10% people say? Well, you know, 10% of our circumstances are things we cannot control. Unfortunately, we cannot always control our health. We uh, often get exposed to people and children who have colds, and we can have bouts of unhealthy times in our lives. We are, unfortunately, at the, um, I would say, at the behest of market regulations and market economies, and we can't always control financial situations. But that 10% is so inconsequential when we look at the 40% of the habits of mind and body that we can control. So there you go. There is a happiness formula. There is a set point and a 93% correlation between how we enact that happiness formula to get a satisfied life and how we perform as professionals in our jobs. Well, that's great, Kathy, and you're, you're so good at being able to talk about this, and I think for our listeners, just to know that, you know, you can make a change. And tell us a little bit about, uh, about Ron, because I know you, you have a, a history with him, and, and I know uh, we're probably going to take a break shortly, but so let me, you know, tell our, me and our audience about background of Ron. Well, you know, it's funny. Ron and I met many, many years ago when I was with a company called Computer Scientists Corporation, and we were doing a large-scale re-engineering project for a major utility company where Ron was, in fact, the lead for the human transformation component. Mm. And I'll let Ron tell you his side of the equation, but, you know, people go through very different, I want to say, episodes of change, and they handle change um, sometimes well and sometimes not so well. And in this particular situation, we had a lot of people who were handling change on many different levels. Ron did a masterful job of keeping up with all of them. Ron spent the first 12 years of his professional career as a psychotherapist with active clinical practices in both the Philadelphia and Washington metropolitan areas. 
In addition to providing ongoing treatment to clients with a myriad of needs, Ron was the developer and principal of a training company that offered professional development workshops, which, by the way, provided practicing clinicians alternative techniques and approaches to conducting psychotherapy. After numerous corporate roles in management, organization development, and training, Ron established his very own consulting and training firm. And as a founder and principal of the Excalibur Consulting Group, Ron had the opportunity to bring together a core group of outstanding professionals who focused on design and implementation of large-scale culture change leadership development initiatives that targeted workforce revitalization. You know, for the first 10 years um, of, of Ron's life as a practitioner, he worked in large companies doing many different things. But for the past 10 years, Ron has worked for Quaker Chemical Corporation, initially in the role of Global Director of Learning and Organization Development, and later being promoted to become the Vice President of Quaker's Global Human Resources Group. Currently in his role as Vice President, he has full responsibilities for managing a multinational, multicultural staff with oversight for all of the traditional HR functions worldwide, plus many other functions. He is a member of the Management and Executive Committee, and he serves on the Management and Compensation Committee of the Board of Directors. Ron began his studies many years ago at Temple University right here in Philadelphia in experimental clinical psychology and holds a master's degree in psychology with a specialty in family therapy obtained from Hahnemann Hospital. And Ron has recently completed the University of Michigan's Advanced Human Resources Executive Program. I can tell you so much more about Ron, so don't go away. We're going to be right back. You're going to listen to Ron Ettinger talk about his experience in a multitude of environments doing transformation. So come right back. You're listening to Leadership Development News. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence? so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. 
Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, whathappyworkingmothersknow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Ron Edinger, the VP of Human Resources at Quaker Chemical. Kathy gave a really nice uh, intro. And then, so Ron, typically what we like to do is, is check in with folks, you know, around a, a few questions. And so, how did you make this uh, transition from working in a, in a clinical practice and during a break? We're talking about, you know, the training in family therapy, which, you know, looks at culture and, and to a bigger uh, culture, you know, at, at Quaker Chemical. Yeah, I, I think sometimes economic need drives you in directions you never would have considered before. But um, somewhere in the 80s, about uh, the time that the HMO system was coming into play, mm-hmm. I was in clinical practice and had an opportunity to do some employee assistance clinical directorships uh, in the Philadelphia region. And during that time, uh, became involved in some organizational issues, coaching, actually doing counseling work with some executives who at the time were dealing with some restructuring um, in their own corporations, and that created a lot of stress, brought them into clinical practice. And during that time, they uh, liked what I did enough to bring me into their companies to work with their executive teams to help them deal with some of the stress related with restructuring. And during that time, I got a very um, good taste of the world I had never touched before, which was corporate, corporate organizational life. And um, over the next few years, gravitated in that direction and had opportunity to work in a uh, local utility as part of their executive and management development staff. And with the uh, HMO uh, insurance transitions, I decided it might be time to uh, look to further my career in a different direction. And uh, one thing left to another, and after about three years, I had left clinical work entirely and was deep uh, to my knees in uh, organizational work. So, Ron, one of the questions that we really like to ask everyone who comes on to the show is something about how you have been influenced in your career, perhaps some people, individuals, whether they be parents or teachers or first bosses, anyone who has influenced who you've become and, and your 
uh, fondness for anything they may have done to instruct you, um, putting you in the direction you've now taken advantage of. Actually, thinking about mentors, I I happen to be an avid reader, so there are many authors um, who've sort of helped shape my thinking in some ways my direction. If I think about live humans, um, I had a a clinical mentor um, when I left... um, when I left university and had my degrees and went off and started my clinical practice in Washington, there was a gentleman that had studied Ericksonian hypnosis, of all things, and had been um, instructing clinicians in the skill and art of hypnotherapy. Um, I had always been intrigued with Milton Erickson, not so much for his hypnosis, but more for his ability to look at alternative ways to approach human change and to um, influence behavior. So I began to study with this gentleman, whose name was also Ron, and um, we became good friends as well as uh, intellectual colleagues. Um, we joined up and started the training company, Kathy, that you had mentioned earlier, and began to um, teach professionals uh, both hypnotherapy as well as some other things that um, broaden their perspective of psychotherapy. So from a clinical perspective, he was probably a mentor that I recall uh, probably most influential for me. From a professional one, I, it's funny, I moved into uh, my first corporate job, which was actually a Pico Energy, uh, then Pico Electric Company, Philadelphia Electric Company, here in Philadelphia. And my boss at the time was Corbin McNeil, who uh, I believe is now long retired, but he was an ex-Navy uh, Admiral who had moved into the nuclear utility management realm after his Navy career. And he, again, was one of those very dynamic leaders, strong visionaries, who not only had, uh, um, I guess, uh, just the ability to look ahead and see what's coming, but also to galvanize organizations behind him. And I I both worked for Corbin, but also um, became a good student of some of the ways that he approached um, organizations and organizational change. And we became good partners for the next seven or eight years working together uh, in the utility world. So those are probably the two that come most strongly to mind. So, Ron, that's fascinating, and I think in in some way you and I have a little similar background of kind of working with groups and families and then uh, transforming that into working with organizations. And I think also, you know, working with populations that are uh, fast-moving and very health uh, promotion. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about just the uh, global nature of Quaker Chemical and kind of what your what your role is today with human resources. And we talked about this, I think, from you know dealing with the Ericksonian and and change. Um, <clears throat> you know, and Kathy and I talk about this. Probably the big arena for most leaders today is managing change. That's where all the skills have to come together of you know developing others, getting followers, having a vision. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about kind of your role as a global leader. Be glad to do that. Um, first of all, just a little bit about Quaker because context is always interesting and sometimes even important. Um, Quaker is an old specialty chemical company. It's been around for 96 years or so. Um, originally based, still based in Philadelphia. You know, we're actually sitting in a uh, sitting in my office, which is in the original factory. That the company started in, been a little rehab, a little modernized, but uh, none to say, same lot of history. 
Um, Quaker, I guess in the 50s and 60s, had an early expansion into doing some international work. So they began to have joint ventures and affiliates in other countries, mostly European at the time. And then um, probably if you fast forward up to the 90s, began to really look at um, transitioning from just a company that does international work in multiple countries to really a global company that um, has a common framework, common set of philosophies, um, common structures and systems, as well as culture that can work not just internationally, but almost work as one company that happens to do business multiculturally and um, across the globe. So it's, a, it, it's an interesting company in that they made the transition from being international to truly global, probably in the mid to the end of the 90s, which is actually a bit early. Um, uh, the company has a good foot, footprint in, the, um, in its space, in its chemical space, which um, is always good. So we, at least for business, from a business perspective, very sound. Um, my role in human resources is, is an interesting one. We've chosen to structure our human resource department really um, with a balance between local autonomy and global consistency. So uh, I have local HR directors and staffs in each of our core regions around the world, and each of them try to and um, address the local issues um, in a very autonomous way. You know, the, the culture and the legislative demands of each region differ so so greatly, it's good to give them their head and know that they're the real experts in that region. What we do try to create consistently is our um, approach to um, creating culture and systems as an HR group. So we look to uh, train, develop, organize, um, pay our people consistently around the globe. And that's more of my job is to really help monitor and uh, direct the, the HR leaders and the corporate leaders so that we have that kind of global consistency. Now, Ron, one of the things that you've talked about is this global nature of working across cultures, and uh, that would be, you know, in terms of both the cultural climate and the financial climate. So would you consider yourself to be working in more of a matrixed organization, given what you've described? And and if so, how does that affect the company's ability to kind of overlay that cultural climate and those financial requirements? Yeah, and that's a good good assessment. The the staff roles for Quaker are very matrixed and in such that we act as almost like organizational consultants in the regions in which we live. And uh, all the challenges of being a consultant are probably the biggest one is just gaining credibility and you know having the clients actually want your services. So the so the model here is really one where we we try to create value as an HR department so that people really desire our involvement aren't force said that they have to endure our involvement. And that's a little different than some of my colleagues in other companies that um, I have contact with where, you know, um, HR especially is sometimes your worst enemy. You know, it's imposed on you as opposed to seeing, seeing it as an asset. So um, when, you, when you partner with these divisions in these globally distinct regions, um, do you have people that you hire specifically 
to play those roles, or does do the businesses actually help you hire those people to play those roles? Yeah, that's a good question. Again, um, again, it's, I, I work in partnership with my executive VPs, um, my colleagues. So when I go to hire an individual, I'll, I'll typically look for qualities that kind of a uh, a given. Um, they have technical savvy and expertise, uh, long-term experience in the craft in human resources. Um, also, I, I find critical that they, especially at the higher levels, that they have a business savvy, that they understand and enjoy the nature of doing business, which is a big, um, I think, one of the uh, key qualities that gain them acceptance in the organizations in which they work. And probably at the highest level, I look for them to have good um, people skills, the ability to engage and endear trust and um, among their clients. And uh, so if I, if I look at the qualities and competencies, I'd probably run them in technical, uh, experiential business, and then people at the top of that list. And, the, and my um, colleagues, my, core, my regional vice presidents, are critical in my hires. Since they're the key client, I will ask them for their involvement in the interviewing and in the final selection. And see, that's so important. The reason I brought that up, Rally, is as you know, on a global basis, the International Coach Federation often struggles with how to create um, a coaching environment where HR professionals obviously have to be successful. And if, to your point, Ron, we're not um, sensitive to the technical and experiential business needs of these professional people who are going into these regions, whether they be HR professionals or coaches you're hiring, to support those, um, as you call them, regional you know, vice presidents and, and executives, then they're not going to add the value that leadership development as a brand can add because you've got a person who's maybe a great coach uh, or a great HR professional, but who doesn't understand the business. Exactly. Um, so uh, before we get into that, um, Ron, let's maybe kind of think about your response to that. We're going to go to a, a break, and then we'll be right back and kind of hear that question and then uh, others that we want to pick your brain on. <laughs> so this is Leadership Development News. Don't go away, and we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence? so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. 
Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, whathappyworkingmothersknow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having a delightful conversation with Ron Ettinger, the Vice President of Human Resources at Quaker Chemical, and he specializes in global organization development and executive coaching. And when we went to break, Ron, we were talking about the factors related to success in HR and your ability to create HR um, compatible resources on a global basis for your business units. But I'll tell you what we'd like to transition into here as we talk about coaching and leadership development and organizational change. And I'd like you to help us understand a little bit about what you look for in leadership development qualities so that you can get the folks you need on board leading this culture change and getting them into the mix to help all of the followers in the organization get the best out of the possible change that you've envisioned for them. So maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a, it's probably a very important question. Um, you know, I think about that, Kathy. I, I think you know, I probably look in the same continuum as I do with my HR leaders. I think as people come in in the lower levels of an organization, you typically look for their technical um, expertise and savvy. You know, they have to perform a job. And as they grow with the organization or as you look to hire more senior people from outside of the organization, you make some assumptions that the technical slash business competence is intact and in place. Um, so you begin to say, well, that being so, what differentiates those that you really want to promote to your your top leadership and those that can help maintain shape and change the culture? And that, that comes back to, to people having the quality. I guess, Raleigh, you would be more of the expert in this area of the emotional intelligence that people carry. 
either developed um, throughout their careers or um, innately have possessed uh, just as part of their uh, DNA. And I, I think as I look at my leaders, it's how do you, de- how do you develop uh, the, the ability to be self-reflective, to, uh, to work with people, to read people well, to be emotionally intact enough to be comfortable with your own flaws and then to compensate for them in intelligent and mature ways. And as I hire people in or promote people or when I design development programs, really at a certain level, those are the capabilities that you're looking to nurture and um, develop in individuals. Um, that, that, for me, becomes even more critically important on a global level because <laughs> the one thing that creates a consistent culture across all of our global landscape is the top leadership being able to carry that kind of emotional DNA mm-hmm. into their workplace and then to begin to align their staffs within that specific culture or region in a way that perpetuates the kind of culture the Quaker uh, really sees as its differentiator in the marketplace. Those are those are big challenges, like I said. And both, and both Kathy and I, as you know, you know, focus on emotional intelligence. And you know, one of the assessments is this emotional quotient inventory. But I think one of the challenges that we know, and, and I'm sure you see this, it'd be great to get uh, your comment on how how do you get leaders to focus on this. And now we see from the brain neuroscience that there's two different kind of neural pathways. One's on really solving problems, and the other is on empathy. And what they're and some of the research is saying they're kind of exclusive. So when you're solving problems, which most leaders are doing, you know, day in and day out, what gets relegated is the empathy, some of the leadership stuff, the uh, emotional intelligence aspects. Not that it's not there, but the problem now has all their focus, and therefore, uh, what goes into the background is kind of the figure background. What goes into the background is all the leadership stuff, and we go, oh, how can we haven't given them feedback? How can we haven't uh, coached them? Well, they're all busy with the foreground issues of the problem. And so, you know, it'd be interesting to kind of just get your comments on that because it's not that people don't know what to do. They just don't find the time to do it. Yeah. Um, What came to mind was a picture of one of my uh, current leaders here at at Quaker who is a brilliant, he's a brilliant guy, and he's a great businessman, and he's been highly successful he also is one of those individuals who has tremendous comfort with and ability to have insight into his weaknesses, mm. but he's not always that great at correcting them. Mm-hmm. So what he's, <laughs> what he's done well is to begin to circle himself with people that can compensate for his weaknesses. So I guess you would consider that another aspect of emotional intelligence. Uh-huh. But, I, but I think part of um, what has made people successful um, is to do two things, either recognize and develop their own ability for empathy and um, and or surround themselves with people that they highly value and listen to intently to keep them on track and the organization on track around the people or uh, human development issues. When you uh, look at some of these uh, human factors, Ron, are there any particular tools or processes that you... Uh, that you bank on that help you understand these uh, processes? Um, yeah, we, we've developed uh, 
as most organizations have de- developed a uh, internal competency model for our, our leaders. We do a, an internal assessment to help leaders gain insight into um, where their strengths and weaknesses lie in, embedded in those competencies along with the typical strategic planning and business acumen and more uh, what I would call business and technical competencies are a set that also have to do with um, the, the softer side of leadership. Uh, emotional intelligence uh, would be one of them around the, uh, the ability for someone to um, be self-reflective, to uh, ask and seek feedback for the qualities around the ability to communicate and truly listen to others and respond in appropriate manners and so forth. So we, we throughout the career here, use these kinds of assessments um, to help our leaders uh, develop those things that um, will make them more successful overall. Um, along the emotional intelligence side, we're just beginning to integrate um, an instrument that will, will help people gain specific insight into their ability to develop emotional intelligence. Ron, do you think, um, given Quaker is in a specific, uh, and I'll just come right out and say it, kind of male-oriented <laughs> world, right? I mean, we, we don't often um, see women um, leading in this arena, although we're getting better at having women um, promoted in these kinds of organizations. But, you know, it's a manufacturing-heavy um, oriented company. Uh, and so there must be some differentiating qualities that you believe are critical to the success of executives when they are in leadership roles that make a difference. Um, can you talk a little bit about those and how you develop those in your young leaders and in your forthcoming and future leaders? Yeah, I... Um... Yeah, your point about females in a male-dominated uh, industry is very true. I mean, most of our clients are big steel and auto manufacturing and those co- customers that service them as well as some other industries, but they would be our two big uh, industrial segments. And definitely, um, apart from some support services like engineering, human resources, finance, and so forth, both in our customer base and in Quaker, traditionally, it's been fairly male-dominated. Both in the, uh, you know, mostly in the commercial realms, you know, in the factories as well. Um, that's beginning the shift. I mean, uh, our laboratories are probably 50-50, if not sometimes in certain regions more female than male-dominated. Um, staff roles typically are female-dominated, um, um, but yet in the commercial, the face of the customer we still tend to look just like the customer and be more male. We, we've started to intentionally shape that differently. We, we've um, begun to um, take people out of the labs and out of our chemical management services groups and intentionally seed our commercial groups. And I, um, it's too soon to say what the impact of that has been, uh, both on our customers but and on our internal um, commercial organizations. But the beginning signs have been very positive, and uh, I'll try to speak to that, though I have little data. I just have some illustrative observations. You know, we're, our differentiator as a company, as a culture, is really our ability to be customer intimate. We're very service-oriented, um, so we're kind of different in the sense that we do manufacture chemicals. It's not a very intensive manufacturing process, 
and we do service our customers, but really more process experts. And the service we bring to our customers, along with having good quality products, is our knowledge of how they do what they do and how they might be more efficient in doing it. And I think the female, the introduction of females into that customer intimacy realm has really begun to influence our ability to uh, interface with the customers differently. Oh, that's outstanding because, of course, the more we take advantage of the diversity of styles, right, those differentiating mm-hmm. qualities that you've just um, discussed, the more successful we will be in our industry. So that's, that's um, great news. I appreciate you sharing that. Well, uh, thanks, Ron. We're going to go to our last break, and this is Leadership Development News. Uh, So don't go away. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence? so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. 
We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Ron Edinger, VP of Human Resources at Quaker Chemical. And one of the things that, Ron, we wanted you to, to comment on was just this kind of broad aspect of cultural change. A lot of people that Kathy and I deal with in organizations are bringing about cultural change. So maybe a few questions. You know, one is, you know, how long do you think that takes to kind of move, move that big uh, ship? And then what's some of the differences, you know, between countries in trying to bring the, the uh, Quaker chemical culture? Yeah, the first one's probably an impossible one to ask. Eh? Yeah. It's going to come back oh, one to three years. But okay. It, um, it depends where you start and where you want to go, and it depends also on the leaders that you have in place to make the shift happen. Right. So it's probably the leadership that is most responsible for that, but um, probably most influential in my experience, are the local leaders, the ones that we would call supervisors or touch people on a day-in and day-out basis. And if you can target a group to leverage to make change more quickly, it would probably be your front-line managers or supervisors. Um, and that would accelerate that process. When it only resides at the top, um, you'll never change culture because uh, culture by its nature is simply the things that people... Um, do on a day-to-day basis that become automatic and sort of are sanctioned as the right thing to do by the organization in which they work. Um, so timeframes um, are to pin down. I I think, too, it gets more interesting. I was talking to Kathy a couple of weeks ago. Um, when you work multiculturally, because you have to be very sensitive to um, how things are different in the different regions in which you work. Um, how things, how the, the Chinese approach change um, is much different than how the Brazilians or the Dutch or the Germans might approach change. And certainly all of that's different than uh, Americans. So the, the most important thing I've learned over the years probably with change is that you have to, first of all, get the right local folks on board to help you, help you and direct you. And two, they have to be very sensitive to the cultural norms on top of the uh, the cultural norms, meaning the ethnic and regional cultures, on top of the corporate culture that you're trying to create, which becomes interesting at best and kind of a wonderful puzzle to be solving. Um, but it, knowing that you don't know everything really helps in the onset. Now, one of the things that I would make a big assumption about, and I'd love you to correct me if I'm wrong, is when you're dealing with so many cultural aspects, which I like to call climate aspects of change, um, how important is it to have local individuals who are respected as leaders in the organization helping you and supporting the effort? I think it's critical. Um, You're never going to do it from corporate headquarters. It's always going to happen on the ground, and it's always going to happen locally. Um, Some time back, we talked about the importance of aligning the top leadership I'd probably say that their biggest mission when they go to another part of the world is to align the local leadership, and then the change begins. That's so important, is making sure that you have that vital communication network in place to make sure that the HR professionals, the OD professionals, the coaches, 
anybody who would be a part of your team, Ron, would be, um, I think, better served if they knew who in those communities were the, um, if you will, the, the listening and capable leaders who are willing to put themselves into the mix to help make it a success. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things, Ron, that I know you do is, is uh, some of the coaching. And how do you how do you use coaching? We have, I know on our listeners, we probably have a fair amount of people who are into coaching. How do you use that as part of the cultural change and leadership development? Um. <sighs> You know, it's funny. I, I do use coaches. I use them all over the world. Um, typically use coaches that are local, if I can find good ones. Again, I think the local language is critical, when you're, especially when you're coaching. Um, so many nuances get lost in language. Right. Um, I, I think I look for coaches, again, back to Kathy's point, I find the individuals in the organization that give me the most leverage for changing culture, and sometimes they're not those who have titles. They might not be in the role of manager, but they might be the, you know, the, the, the lab chemist that has been there for 20 years and everyone goes to to really talk to thing, talk over with them those things that they like or dislike in the organization, those sounding boards or just have that informal leadership mantle, if you would. So I often will work with them or have local HR professionals coach and work with them to um, get them to be our real pivotal points for changing culture. So sometimes I use local coaches in that regard as well. Um, How do you find these local coaches? <laughs> uh, word of mouth. <laughs> I go through many that I don't like, and then I uh-huh. um, usually find some that I do like. I, I've had a lot of trial and error in finding good coaches, to be honest with you. Is it... Uh... Is it important for you, you know, in a, with Quaker to find someone who's certified by the ICF, or it's more their experience and who they are and their references? Um, it's more the latter than the former, Raleigh, but I must say that overseas, um, I often use the ICF as a way of uh, kind of sorting those that are yeah. say they're coaches and those that say, well, I'm a coach and I have some certification. But I don't always find the certification necessarily indicates a great coach. Right. So, I do use it as a sorting mechanism, uh-huh. and um, I find it, it's funny, I find it, especially, I found uh, almost every coach I've utilized in Brazil has that background, but that's not true in North America. So, where you go uh, really uh, dictates uh, that's interesting. different background. Um, yeah. China, I'm finding more of that, um, and in Europe, not so much. Huh. So, so as far as people more certified, you're saying China and Brazil seem to be more common. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, and then maybe the pool of coaches is smaller in those regions. So, yeah, <laughs> those are the ones that bubble up to the top. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what would you say as we're going to as we're winding down here, Ron? A couple of key things, you know, that you would say uh, is, is a takeaway in regards to maybe some leadership development or things that people should keep in the in the front of their mind as they're talking about leadership development, and also we've talked about, you know, cultural change. There are a couple of kind of key things yeah. to jump out. Um, well, three things come to mind. I, I, I think if I think about working global, what's my greatest lesson is that you, there's a great deal you don't know, and it's a wonderful opportunity to learn something new almost every trip you make. Hmm. I mean, it's been fabulous. I love 
I love differences in people and in cultures. I became a family therapist for that reason, and organizations, international ones, are terrific. Um, Second is that aligning your top leadership is just critical if you're going to create a consistent global organizational culture. Um, Having global leadership programs, investing in bringing your leaders together, having a top executive that really can galvanize people from a cultural perspective. I found it just critical. And probably the third piece for me is um, you got to get good local talent. Um, you can't do it from corporate and you can't do it alone. So um, uh, hiring good people and really uh, nurturing them is just critical, both in HR and outside. So those would be the three, yeah. I'd say, lessons learned for me over the last dozen years or so. And going forward, anything in particular? Um, I hope it stays as much fun as it has been. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, anyone who's listening who loves challenges and loves to uh, have uh, learning experiences working in a global arena is terrific. Well, um, and I think you know one of the things that we all love about what we do is that continuing global expansion and continued growth as we see it happening right before our very eyes, mm-hmm. you know, really requires us to pay attention to the human components of leading globally. And you've obviously been doing a super job. We really appreciate your insights. You're welcome. And um, I know if people want to reach you, Ron, you have an email? I do. Um, Ron Ettinger, one word. Or uh, let me give you a better one. Ettinger, E-T-T-I-N-G-E-R, at QuakerChem, one word, dot com. Thank you. Well, thank you, everybody. You've been listening to Leadership Development News. Please join us again next week. And in the meantime, see what's hot at our website, excelinstitute.com. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.